Welcome to Bringing Reading Back, a podcast where myself and my two co-hosts dive a bit deeper into some of our favorite books, as well as finally crack open a few that have been gathering dust a bit too long on our internal and actual bookshelves. So join us as we hopefully make a few more friends and rediscover our love of reading. And remember, this is not your mother's book club. Disclaimer, there will be spoilers in this and every other podcast episode. Thank you and enjoy. Hey friends, this is Tori and we are bringing reading back, even though I said all of that backwards. Here are my two (laughs) co-hosts. Hey, I'm Danielle. And Jade. And what book are we talking about tonight? We are discussing We Were Liars by E. Lockhart. And I actually kind of picked this book, I guess. TikTok picked this book and... TikTok made me buy it. Jade and I kind of discussed it. She's like, yeah, we got to get it in. I was like, I, I, I told the told the girls about it, and Jade was like, yeah, we need to make time for this. So we read it real quick and rearranged our schedule. And as I said on the pre-pod, if you just listened to the last episode, which is The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, we probably said we were going to be discussing a different book at the end of that episode. But now we're we're doing this one so sorry (laughs) yep so in an essence we were liars on that podcast we were the liars so (laughs) (laughs) we're just recycling jokes and so it's fun we are that's what we're doing (laughs) well some people don't listen to the pre-pod so we're still pretty funny in the pre-pod so you should probably listen to those too (laughs) so i mean i i recycle jokes through my life already (laughs) so i can't really say anything (laughs) um like, that's just who I am as a person, but right. it's fine. We're just as funny in the pre-pod as we are in this one, guys. Yep. So, yeah, we, we recycle because to... we're sustainably conscious. There you go. Yes, exactly. We're ethically <laughs> source, we ethically source jokes to help the environment. <laughs> but yeah, we wanted to jump on the TikTok train, the book talk train, and get We Were Liars in um, because we kept seeing TikToks on our For You page for the podcast, which plug we don't have a lot of tiktoks up yet but there are a few so check them out but we kept seeing books (laughs) or uh tiktokers mention this book and we're like books that effed me up or books that made me cry in the middle of the night or books i will never read again because they emotionally scarred me and this one kept coming up so we had Mm -hmm. to we had to include it absolutely so if you listen to our pre-pod, we actually did um, Two Lies and a Truth. If you listened to- yeah, sorry. I like I, I started my sentence and I got messed up. If you listen to our pre-pod, we actually um, were explaining that if you have a physical copy of We Were Liars, on the back the author says, if anyone asks you how it ends, just lie. Mm-hmm. So in the pre-pod, we wanted to honor uh, Lockhart and honor their wishes just by saying you know what we're gonna do two lies and a truth and we're gonna let you guess which one is the actual answer now in this podcast we're actually going to tell you which one is the truth um but first we want to give you a quick rundown of what our lies were um so i want to give you a rundown of the options that we gave in the pre-pod so option a um 
Katie realizes that Beachwood Island never actually existed. Her family wasn't rich, she had no cousins, she had created this false family narrative to distract herself from the fact that she was living in the foster care system and doesn't know her family. Um, and this all comes to light after she begins therapy for an accident that she had after a group home fire. So the fire is real um, in her brain, but everything else is just something that she's made up. Option B was that the fire was also real, but because of their unhappiness, <laughs> because of their unhappiness with the system that they live in, with the racism and patriarchy and what have you, they decide to burn down the symbol of the family wealth, which is the Claremont home, and um, only Katie gets out. The other four, or the other three, do not. Option C is that the fire was real. Um, but she had been in the fire and escaped, but a lot of damage happened, like smoke inhalation and all of that, and also obviously like the accident with her head, and so she was there for summer of 15, the island does exist, but she is in an institution after summer of 15, and everything from summer of 17 is how she wishes it would be due to hallucinations from her sightlines. Okay, so if you haven't read the book yet and you don't like spoilers, you need to stop the podcast right now. Hit the pause button, close out of it on your phone, go buy the book and go read it before you listen to the rest of this podcast because we're going to spoil it in a big way. Have you done it? All right. If you're still here, it's on you. So if we spoil it for you, it's not our fault because we told you to go somewhere else. Tori went first last week. Danielle, it's either you or me. I'll go. All right. So... Katie realizes um, that everything that's happened during Summer 15 is a figment of her imagination. Um, she's actually made up her friends and her cousins because they all died in the fire that she helped start. So she set the fire. The other three liars died in the fire. Everything that happened um, during Summer 17 was actually just her conversing with her ghosts. So... She makes up this great narrative, and it turns out that she was actually the reason that they died. Also, two dogs died in the fire, and I'm still not over it. You had, like, <laughs> a second and a half to spare. <laughs> wow, that never happens. All right. I had to talk about... <laughs> so, Who's if you weren't now? anticipating a spoiler, there you go. <laughs> Tori, would you like it to be me, or would you like it to be yourself? I... You okay. Go. Is this a whole 30-second synopsis? Yeah. I, like, the whole book? I realized that... Danielle just jumped to the end. She don't give a shit. I did just jump to the end. So, option B. I had I had to get it all out. Option B was the correct one. So, yeah, if you were wondering, yeah, it's option B. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just <laughs> jumping to the end. All right, Jade. All right. So, um, we have Katie, who is rich and wealthy and goes to an island every summer. Summer of 15, something happens. She gets hit in the head. Something gets fucked up in her brain. She can't remember anything that happens. Flash forward, seven, summer 17, she's trying to figure all that shit out. So, she spends time with Gat, Johnny, and M to figure all this shit out. And then she realizes, bit by bit and piece by piece and memory by memory, the whole summer of 15. And it is that Gat has patriarchy problems and they burn down her grandpa's house because of it. And um, in that, she kills her three friends. Good job. They, I guess, I guess, like, my three seconds that I wasted there at the end, I could have said, like, she survived, but I didn't. And, and she was, she was ghosting. 
I appreciate how well-rounded your synopsis was. Like, I was like, I've been holding the secret in so long. I'm like, uh, I'm like that one chick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, secret. I'm like the one uh, character from SNL who can't keep a secret. That's me. That is me. All right, Tori. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. Okay. All right, so book opens with Katie, who is suffering from some issues that she got when she was 15 years old, and she lived, or she was spending summer on this island when she was 15 that her grandparents owned because they're very wealthy. She has changed everything and given away all her property, and she is on summer 17, two years later, trying to discover what happened summer 15 because she cannot remember. She's getting bits and pieces by talking to her cousins as well as all of her family members. She finally realizes what did happen after... Uh, weeks on the island she realizes that there was a fire and she, her friends died and not her her cousins died and not her uh, i spent too much on the beginning so if we just <laughs> it's okay if we just put I, mine I just and daniel's and... together it would be perfect there we go yeah i i literally <laughs> just ripped the band-aid off i was like if you don't if you want to know what happens at the beginning go listen to the pre-pod i'm telling all what happened at the end um okay y'all what did you think of this book? Yeah, first like first impressions. Oh, cried. I cried. I got so invested in these characters and the relationship between Gat and Katie. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then whoop, they've all been dead for two years now. And, she and no uh, yeah, it was, the author did an amazing job of like creating these yeah. bonds for like these characters that didn't exist. <laughs> Both Danielle and Jade texted me at separate <laughs> times while they were reading the book. Um, once they both reached the twist, the truth part of the book, they both texted me and were like, huh, I'm crying. What the hell? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I responded to Jade. I don't know if I'm like emotionally stunted because I just do not... Like, I have cried on one book that I can remember, and it was when I was probably 12. Oh, my god! The book was called The Last Book in the Universe, and it was all about a dystopian kind of future where half of the people live in Eden and the other half live in despair. And the main character dies. and Or no, no I don't even think the main character dies. Like, his... His elderly mentor that he has been uh, become close to ends up getting killed by these, like, Eden. I don't even remember. But that, I, I remember, like, specifically calling my grandpa, telling him the entire book while, Aww. like, crying. Now, it's like the only, <laughs> I don't know why I remember this, but that is, like, That's the cute. only book I can remember crying on, and... Everyone freaking cried when they watched when they read this book. Am I like emotionally stunted? <laughs> because I was invested and it was a good book, but like I was just like I cried enough for all of us. So uh, like these these TikTokers are dramatic. I didn't cry. Slams book down. <laughs> but then you two both were like this book really got me. <laughs> So, I have the problem. I have the problem. <laughs> no, I really did. I liked the book. We babies, leave us alone. I am an emotional <laughs> mess. Like, 
I cry at everything, so we can't really say <laughs> anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the middle. I, I, I cry sometimes, but not, not every day. But I think, like, what – I think what got me is that, like, mm-hmm. this twist doesn't happen until, like, four pages till the end of the book. Like, it is the last four mm-hmm. pages. And so there are, like, two or three twists before that. Like, the one where you find they set the fire, you're like, oh, okay, that is a twist. And I thought that was it. And then you find out that the dogs were in, I'm in still the, not okay about the that. fire. And I was like, oh, that's the twist. Yeah, I was like, so, so like, there's all these, like, little twists before you get to the big twist that, like, you just constantly, yeah. you're constantly, like, in this emotional state mm-hmm. of, like, huh, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, what? my reaction to this book, um, I listened to it as an audiobook because, as I've said before, my drive is super long, so I needed, like, I was like, oh, I'll just listen to this while I drive to work. And typically, I listen to books only on the way home from work because I like to listen to 80s music on the way to get myself hyped up. I was so invested in this book. I listened to it on the drive home one day. And it's like a 70-mile drive. So the drive home one day, the drive back to school the next day, and the drive back home on the second day. Like, I knocked it out in, like, three drives because I was just like, this book is so interesting. Um, And I finished it actually sitting at my desk working from home. So, like, there were a couple of points that were really pivotal. Like, I remember while I was – whenever I got home, and I was glad that I was sitting still. Um, I was waiting for my husband to come out and help me carry some stuff because I had food um, sitting in the car. And I was sitting there waiting for him to get out of a meeting. And that was whenever I heard about the dogs dying. No. And I was like, no, no. Oh, this is sad. Like, I'm sitting there sobbing, holding the food in my car. And he comes out. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not. The dogs died. Because I, I love golden retrievers. And, like, they were such – and she just kept talking about how they were such good dogs and how they didn't deserve it and how they relied on people. And I was like, you need to shut up right yeah. now because I the can't way, deal with this. The way <laughs> she talks about the dogs makes me oh, – It killed me. Oh, God. It, it killed so me. bad. But then, like – so I knew that something wasn't right whenever I first read the book. I was like, there's something off here. And actually, I, um, I was like, huh, I wonder if maybe, like – they're dead or maybe it's all in her head and and i was like no it can't be that like maybe she was assaulted maybe something happened on the island like something happened here and uh i read i was listening to the last little part while i was working and again my husband and i share an office space and i like she gets the end of the book and i'm like just bawling my eyes out like i'm just sitting here like what just happened and he looks over, he's like, are you okay? And I go, no, I'm not okay. This is not okay. Um, and then I proceeded to text Tori and I was like, what in the name of M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan is happening right now? Like, what the M. Night Shyamalan is happening right now? So, yeah, that book, it was really good. Um, it's one of those that I would not be able to read again for a while because it was like, I don't even know if I'd read it again, honestly. Because, like, once you know the twist, eh, yeah. it kind of takes the fun out of it. Um, but I'm really glad that we read it. Yeah. I I disagree. Because I feel like you would catch a lot of things that you missed the first time. Like, True. I already missed – I caught one. Like, I said, uh, mm-hmm. like, when she went with Mirren to the town on the boat and got fudge, and her mom oh. was like, you can't go by yourself. Yeah. And she's like, I went with Mirren. Yeah. Oh, I bet there are some things. You didn't. Like, some more Mirren's things. dead. That- like, like when she says they're always sneaking like off, she it. says the other liars are always sneaking yeah. off together without her. Like you wouldn't stuff like yeah. that. Well, and the fact that 
Yeah, and the fact that they all moved mm-hmm. to Cuddle Down by themselves. They don't exist. Like, all the th- other three liars live at Cuddle Down by themselves. And whenever she asks her mom if she can move down there for the summer, they're like, no. Her mom goes, no, you can't. You can't do that. Right. Which so, she, like, like, kind of does a little. Or she spends a lot of time <laughs> down there. And yeah, when she's so talking like- about how gross it is like ew (laughs) that's just all her yeah that's because she spends all her time there and doesn't yeah y'all it was a lot (laughs) we ready for character breakdowns let's do this all right obviously we're going to start with cadence herself so katie uh, we start the book, and she is uh, obviously dealing with some stuff. We realize that she is on medication, and she has gone through like a 180 personality change, changing her physical appearance, just really dealing with whatever this tragedy was that happened in Summer of 15. I didn't really have the best... I understand... You know, you're going through stuff. But initially, I didn't super love Katie. <laughs> she, uh, I don't know, of course, when you're dealing with a tragedy, you're going to react in different ways. And she is only 17 years old. So we have to give her some credit. But also, I don't know, I didn't love it. She's kind of a jerk. Um, I realize like her mom is one of those people that's like, hey, we have to keep face be okay because you can like stop it and i get that i have some family members who definitely i feel are kind of like that you know let's ignore the problem and pretend like we're okay for everyone else and and she doesn't want katie to really express herself it seems but i just sometimes was like rolling my eyes like when katie was joking to her younger cousins about drugs or or whatnot i was like that's a little ridiculous but as the story goes on we realize that she really is trying to figure out what happened and why am i like this like she's trying she's trying to figure it out and wants to maybe go back to the way she used to be or at least better than she is now but she still has those downfalls and she still has you know, uh, she still goes back to those coping mechanisms or something. Like, even when she's on the island, she gives away, like, her book that her mom used to read to her as a child, and it probably, probably kind of hurt her mom's feelings, but she's not, she doesn't really care. She's just like, I don't need it. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I probably had, like, I had some sympathy for her, and then I didn't, and then I had a little bit, because, like, her mom seems really overbearing, mm-hmm. and I, I get it. Like, it seemed like she had a pretty, kind of like Tori was saying, like, don't have feelings. And that sucks. Um, but then, like, she feel. would say, like, <laughs> she would say, like, oh, yeah, I don't want your sympathy. And then she gives, like, all these examples of, like, why she should like have sympathy. why her life sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to take the one that Danielle typed out here, but, like. They went to France, and her dad gets to show, like, yeah. to see all these places. And she's like, yeah, but I seen a toilet because I was throwing up. And, like, mm-hmm. what what else do you expect besides sympathy when you say things like that? I don't know. And then at the end, you find out that, like, <laughs> she kind of mm-hmm. killed everybody. So, right. 
you you and of course goes back up because she didn't mean to what Um, what 15 year old would be strong enough to deal with that kind of revelation oh yeah yeah you would have to create block that shit out um so it is yeah like jade said your sympathy sympathy does kind of increase once you realize what's truly going on I mean, I guess we could talk about this at the very end of the character breakdowns, but man, what her mom had to go through when she talks about having to tell her every single day. Mm-hmm. Ow. That would be, like, you You never heal if you keep picking mm-hmm. at a scab. Like, yeah. a wound never heals if you keep pulling yeah. the scab off. So I can't even imagine how painful that was. Like, um, oh, my nieces and nephews are dead. Oh, you killed yeah. you killed my niece and nephew. Oh, the next day. Well, my niece and nephew died in a fire <laughs> that you were yeah. a part of, that you set. Stuff like that. It would you just be the horrible. Dogs. Oh my gosh. It's yeah, you killed the dogs and everyone else. Um Right. Yeah, for sure. And like I just I think it's also important to point out I don't important. know important. Important. I realized when I said it, I was like, important. <laughs> um, it's important to point out, and I don't know if we've mentioned this yet or not, but KG does have really bad migraines um, after her accident. So she keeps referring to it as her accident. She has really bad migraines. So that's the reason that she saw the French toilet, um, which I came up with this little funny joke. Um, my dad saw the Louvre, but I saw the Lou. I, I just thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, like I'm right there with you guys. Like kind of hated her for part of it. Mm-hmm. But there was also part of it where I was like, she seems really suicidal. And I don't know if you guys caught this too, or maybe it's because I work, like, near a counseling center and, like, I just, I don't know, hyper-awareness of this. Um, but, like, she changed her hair color from blonde to, like, this really dark black out of nowhere. Yeah, she's giving she away, giving away all. Yep, she's giving away all of her possessions. Like, she's textbook suicidal in this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, what if this is, like, 13 reasons why? Like, what if this is on that level? So... Yeah, there was a moment where I really thought she was suicidal. Yeah, and I I got a real uh, flashback to, God, what is her name in Twilight? Bella. Bella, Where she's like, I am going to jump off this cliff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I got real Bella vibes there. But um, yeah, yeah, so she's taking major risks. She's isolating herself. And yeah, so I, I think that you're... Yeah. Very good. She seems in, to get no joy out of life. Yeah, you're very good in, in recognizing that. I think that that stereotypical suicidal tendencies. Yeah. So that's that's legitimately what I thought whenever I was reading this. But there is one redeeming quality to Katie, and that is the fact that she is head over heels in love with Gat. So do we want to talk about Gat for a second? So Gat is kind of an out um not really an outcast but an added member of the family who doesn't quite fit in he joins around i think she said year eight or nine when they were eight he began coming or something and he is her aunt's new boyfriend or husband i think they end up getting married later but um her her aunt's new husband's nephew and he is um, Indian so he is not like fully white like this family um, 
what they cherish so much as being white and privileged, and he is not. And as they get older, he starts to notice that he is being treated differently, and he's really becoming socially aware, and uh, I think he wants to make changes in the social milieu or whatever. He wants to make these um, social, or he wants to work on social advocacy and what have you. And he tries to bring that or make that aware to the other liars that he's not the same as them and they are not like him either. So they might think that they are woke or whatever, but he is like, uh, okay, what is the, what's the maid's name? What's the, what's the cook's Mm -hmm. name? And none of them know. And he does because he seems to be on the same level, according to especially her grandfather. So he's very, her grandfather is very proud and very uh, traditional, if you want to say that, or conservative. And he thinks that he's just better than people. Um, They have a certain, a certain view that they want to keep they have this uh what people think of them so and they want to keep up upkeep that i can't even think of the word but anyways they're super vain so they have he, an image an image that's right mm-hmm. yeah he want they want to keep that image and daughters who are divorced a daughter who is dating a uh, someone whose skin color is different um and parading the child around is not part of his plan. He thinks that they are, like, he's he's disappointed in his daughters. Like, they have not lived up to his standards, it seems. Yeah, and so Harris doesn't actually even refer to Gat by name. Um, he just calls him young man. Yeah. So he never actually says his name in conversation. Yeah. And it is funny <laughs> to point out that uh, the grandfather actually catches gat and katie kissing (laughs) and definitely and he even makes a threat kind of out in the open in front of her but trying to mask it and so he basically threatens gat after he catches them together yeah he says watch yourself young man and katie or watch your head young man and Katie just thinks it's a, oh, it's because the ceiling is pitched really low. Like, watch your head. And Gat's like, no, that that's not what that was. So, yeah, Gat and Katie kind of have this summer summer romance. Summer loving. So typical young. I also like that the author, like, she gives specific adjectives for everybody, and Gats are contemplation, enthusiasm, ambition, and strong coffee. I just took that to think, like, he's very, like, the strong coffee one, because it's kind of an abstract. Like, he's very, like, in your face, and not, like, in a in a bad way. Like, people choose to drink it or choose to listen, um, but, like, he's telling you things that are, like, hard to hear, and that would be his, you know. Uh, how their grandpa is yeah well and strong coffee also like it's very warming but it's also very like it has a bite to it yeah like if you have really strong coffee it's got a bite but it warms you up and gets you energized yeah so which leads us to the three descriptors of johnny 
Bounce, effort, and snark. Johnny is the liar who seems to be out of touch. He doesn't take things too serious. He just wants to reap the benefits of his life and get on with it. He doesn't want to step back and socially analyze what's wrong with their situation or what's wrong with their parents or whatever until it kind of he can't ignore it it gets to the point where he's like you know what there really is a problem and after his charm and his happy-go-lucky kind of attitude we get to see different sides of Johnny one especially being his ability to help cadence when she's going through some things like he just sits with her and you know helps her through a tough time at that point and so that's kind of commendable but also once the ants are fighting over their inheritance he's kind of sick of it and also wants to you know step in and and make some changes make some positive changes he wants to do something about it well, and also Johnny is supposed to go to Harvard. Like he gets into Harvard and he, so because the ants are like pitting the grandchildren against each other saying, oh, you need to tell people like how much you love, love living here. You want to keep this house and you just want to bring your kids here every summer. Um, the ants are, are pitting their kids against each other. And Johnny flat out says like, I'm not going to do this. And when his grandfather threatens to take away his college fund to go to Harvard, he goes, okay, fine, do it. I'll find another way to pay for it. Like, he's very willing to have that stripped from him so that he can have, one, can have gad around, and two, won't damage the relationship with his cousins. Yeah. So their relationship is more important to him than his status as the second oldest grandchild or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or the firstborn grandson. <laughs> he yes. doesn't mind. Having that tarnished when it comes down to it. And then we have Mirren. So Mirren is described as sugar, curiosity, and rain. So she's very sweet, but she's also um, a little bossy. Um, she definitely likes to have things done her way. But she's also that very soft-spoken. She plays the role of being an heiress very, very well. Mirren kind of starts out as this care not really carefree but she seems to be want she wants to have fun but she kind of also wants to play it safe she doesn't want to take all these risks or go on these you know huge adventures like the others do she kind of wants to play it safe but also is very sweet and i don't know just kind of a I would say that she seems like a the American girl, like not really mm -hmm. super edgy, but like very sweet. And she would never dye her lady. hair black. Right, right, right. But she continues to get sick during year 17. Through summer of 17. Um, she doesn't, yeah, she doesn't mm -hmm. show up as much as the others. She stays in bed. She just yeah stays at the whatever house they're staying in she just stays there she doesn't go out a lot anymore as the summer progresses 
sparks some worry, I guess. Concern. Jade has an amazing theory about this. Because we talked about this whenever we were talking about this book. She She did. did. So... Whenever she starts just, like, getting – so, okay, backstory. She talks about, as Danielle said in the pre-pod, M talks about how much sex she's having with her boyfriend. And then she retracts and says her boyfriend doesn't exist. But then she starts getting sick. And so I was like, she's lying about lying. And she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like, she just has to be. Um, she was nauseous. Yeah. And she was <laughs> seemingly um, promiscuous, which is whatever. Um, but then that was wrong. But that's what I thought. Yeah. She was slowly fading away from existence, but. Yes. So once we realize that they are dead, I'm not really sure why. Maybe because she wasn't um, into taking risks like the others were as much. She just is really having a hard time holding on. So she's fading and weak and her, I don't know, her spirit is like restless or it's yeah i don't know it i don't it kind of seems like she i don't know how to phrase it like it like was harder on her to not go to the light really yeah so Mm -hmm. yeah maybe they chose to stuck or stick around to help yeah to help um katie but ultimately it was harder for mirin to stay kind of seems like it's kind of hard it's like weird yeah, we don't get a yeah. lot of answers about their state. Like, you know, we don't get a lot of answers about how they were there for summer 17 or like what they are or we get nothing, which is one con that I will say myself just because I like to know things. I don't like being mm-hmm. in the dark. <laughs> but maybe that's, well, I don't know. And there are a few giveaways that we don't realize. You don't realize it as you're reading the book. Whenever you go back and look at it later, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Whenever they go to the mainland and they go shopping in this little town and Mirren just gets really, really sick and she's like, I've gone too far from the island. So it makes me wonder if they're just like anchored to the island. Maybe. I don't know. And she was the less adventurous of them, like you were saying. It's kind of like the, I don't know, the TV show. I think... They're, like, stuck in a house. Ghosts can only be in the house that they're killed in. I don't know what the TV show is. I can't remember. Mm. Murder House. Uh, The first season of American Horror Story? It's Murder House. It's the first season of something. I think, Tori, you're right. I don't remember. First season of American Horror Story. If you could hear You cut out, but you said it. So they'll they'll know which one it is. Um, American Horror Story. Um, Yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. Um. (laughs) I don't watch scary shows, so I don't know. He just cut out twice. I was like, fuck it. They'll know. Um, But, yeah, it reminds me of that a lot because maybe they can't leave the island. But then she went to, like, she went to the other island with her to get fudge. Yeah. Can't go far or or very long. We don't don't know the ghost logic in this book. It's not explained. Coda is just staring at me for, like, the last two minutes. It's ridiculous. What do you want? (laughs) mom. What do you want? Go away. Um, and also I think, like, I don't know, we talked a little bit about, like, the Sixth Sense earlier, um, and, like, M. Night Shyamalan, I always say his name wrong, but isn't that something, it's been a long time since I've watched that movie, but isn't that something, it's a kid, though, (laughs) well, like, don't the ghosts throw up, like, isn't there one ghost that throws up all the time, because she got poisoned, 
Okay, that was the reason why. Yeah, she was. I couldn't remember. Yeah, she, that's the only reason she threw up a lot because she, her stepmom or something poisoned her food. So okay, she was like, never mind. That was. That. I thought that was a stolen theory from Sixth Sense, but it's not. So Mm-mm. don't mind me. <laughs> okay, should we talk about the ants? So they just kind of suck like they're just super Uh concerned about what they're gonna get when their dad dies that's it and throughout the book um katie like writes these little tiny fairy tales and it's always about the king and the three princesses which is obviously her life and they're always just like competing for the favor of the king who also sucks because he's only he's like flaunting it he's swinging it swinging it in front of their noses to be like oh you're acting wrong so you're out you're getting less stuff like that oh and like uh, they also change you're 17 one of the ants is like roaming the island and then when or like very loving and when Katie brings it up, brings it up, the aunt, her aunt, I think it's Connie, Daniel said earlier. Carrie. Carrie. Gosh. Aunt Carrie is like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So they're still very up on their image, but something has changed in them. They're not bickering all the time like they were in year 15, trying to win the favor, but something has definitely changed. So, really quick, I have something to say. Tori, you were talking about the little stories that she writes. Mm-hmm. The first time I heard it, I was immediately like, this is King Lear. This is 110% King Lear. Which, if you listen to the episode for Station Eleven, um, have we released Station Eleven yet? Yeah. I thought so. Yeah, it was a while ago. Okay. I couldn't remember. We've, we've recorded so many things, guys. Like, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, anyway, oh yeah, we have, because I remember listening to it. Um, so if you're, if you listen to Station Eleven, King Lear is featured in that, um, and that's when the productions is featured. So it's the crazy king, the crazy father, who has three daughters who are constantly competing for his affection. So, I was like, it's King Lear, it's all King Lear. Connected. Shakespeare is in everything, guys. No wonder Shakespeare was the mm-hmm. only person who survived the, the Georgia flu. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed her little stories because I think it helped me put the pieces together a lot quicker. Like, I didn't know what the fuck was going on, but I knew that I knew that <laughs> the three ants were fighting and I knew that she, like, wasn't about it. And I don't really think it adds a lot to the story so much as it, like, is entertaining. Yeah, I really liked it, too. I thought I thought they were fun. <laughs> How she repackages mm-hmm. it so many different yeah. ways, but keeps the theme. But... Mm-hmm. I liked it. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I enjoyed those. Just a staple yeah. in the book. I will say it was a little bit confusing if you're not, like, actually reading it and seeing how they are, like, set apart. Mm-hmm. So, like, whenever I was listening to it, I was like, wait, are we telling a story? What, wait, what's happening? Yeah. So it took me a second to, like, re-register it, but I enjoyed them. And that wraps up our character breakdowns, and we are going to pause and take a quick break and we will be back to finish up discussing the themes of this book so brb 
Okay, welcome back after the break. We just finished character breakdowns and we're going to get into the big ideas or themes of the book. All right, so summer love. First thing. Yes. Summer loving had me a blast. Okay, so sorry, I like I always have to add in Greece and have to add in songs to things. It's just who I am as a person. Um, they know. So <laughs> you guys know me by now. You you understand me. You understand my life. Um, okay, so there's this idea of summer love that happens in summer 15 uh, between Katie and Gat. And it really just comes out of nowhere. Like they've known each other their whole lives. And they've been like friends their whole lives. Their families. Well, he's been part of her family. Um, she hasn't really been part of his family. She doesn't know him outside of what happens during the summer. Um and I mentioned this in the pre-pod, and Tori was very adamant that we mentioned this during the actual podcast. Um, that was so this this storyline right here is the one redeeming quality for me for Katie. Um, it was like the one part I was like really invested in this story um, about the two of them getting together and like her being really angry at him because they hadn't talked for a long time and it had been like two years and he never answered her emails. Um, so the reason that this really resonates with me. I'm going to let you guys in a little bit on my life. Um, I love this story because it kind of happened to me. I mean, people didn't die in a fire, but there was definitely like this whole, I'm like watching my husband as I tell the story. He's rolling his eyes at me. He won. Um, he won. So whatever. He won. He won. <laughs> so this is a story that I like to tell. Um, I tend to tell it to tease him. Um, but it's actually, it's really cute and I really like it. It's so, about him. Jade and Tori both know this because they were there. <laughs> it is about him. Yes. Um, they were there for the ending part of it. Um, actually, they were there for the whole two years. Uh, so basically <laughs> what happened is right after I finished undergrad, um, my family decided they were going to go on a trip to Ireland. And the family that they decided to go with was actually my husband's family. Um, and let me just say, like, we don't do rich summer vacations. Like, this was a big deal. This was... <laughs> This is a, I'm getting a face from Jane. We, we just went to um, Ireland we, for weeks. <laughs> hey, to be fair, to be fair, we got our tickets for like $450 because he is like the Dalai Lama of trip planning. Like he's so good at it. Um. So anyway, we barely knew each other. Our families knew each other. Our families were very connected. Yeah, family friends. Um, yeah, family friends. They'd known each other for years. And um, his parents actually owned the house that I grew up in. Fun fact. So we went on this trip, and, like, the first – if you ask my father, he says he realized this as soon as we were in the airport. I don't know if the – oh, it's kind of true. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I'm getting these cute faces for you guys, and it's making me giggle. So anyway, during this time, um, we were in Ireland, and we were – Jade's trying to make you crack up. Um, we were in Ireland, and we were, like, going through all these different places and having all these different experiences, and – we were kind of starting to grow to like each other. Like, things are, had changed from whenever we first got there. Um, and we ended up, like, having a movie night and watching a movie and holding hands. And it was really cute and really special. Um, but then, like, two days later, we got back on a plane, came back to the States. Um, and we, live in different, we lived in different cities at that time, about four hours apart. Um, and so I went – like, we went our separate ways as soon as the summer was over. Uh, he went back to work. I started grad school. Um, he was working 80 hours a week. I was in grad school. <laughs> um, 
So as as Jade and Tori can attest, I lost my mind during that time. Um, but there was like a two year time frame where I was like, I really miss him. I'll text him. I'd send a text. I never, I didn't get a response. Sometimes I get a text. Sometimes I wouldn't. Um, Tori can attest to the fact that every time that we actually, Tori and Jade both can attest to the fact that every time we went to any kind of bar, <laughs> I immediately had to take a picture of the beer that I was drinking or whatever I was drinking and send it to him. Um, All because while, let me interject. All while, <laughs> she is like, this guy, blah, oh. Oh my god! Like <laughs> I can't believe, like, like he's so obsessed with I me. Like, I just—it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like I can't, yeah, I can't shake so this weird. guy. Can't shake this guy. Like he needs to do his own thing. Like our parents are like, "Oh, you're perfect," but perfect together. But, but I don't know why they think that. How ridiculous! Like, can I just live my life? Like, leave me alone. And then she's like, "I'm just gonna text him a picture really quick." So yeah. and I'm just gonna. So secretly, there was one year like secretly, Jay. So Jay and I would be supportive. We're like supportive friends. We're like, yeah, you're right. Like, what a weirdo. Just forget him. Focus on your life. All why secretly knowing, like she talks about him so much. Oh my god. <laughs> I would interject him into random conversations that we were having. Oh yeah. Like I would bring him up out of nowhere, and like I could tell whenever I was saying it, they're like, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm, <laughs> whatever you say. Um, so anyway, and then after, like, two years of grad school, we end up going on a trip again, um, a family trip. Almost immediately, things pick back up, mm-hmm. and long story uh, short, uh, we're married now. Not, yeah. not so. reaching out in another family trip? Mm-hmm. hmm <laughs> <laughs> Well, Fair. luckily, it's not an every summer thing, so you don't meet that, it's meet that criteria of owning your own island. Yeah. But... We don't own an island. You know, uh, all in all... Danielle did have a summer love. <laughs> so I did have that a she, love. You know, she and would return to her life, then come back and, and revisit this this budding romance, which is the same thing that happened to our characters, Katie and Gat. So kind of a kind of a cool connection. Just it just it made my heart happy whenever I was reading that. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like this a, makes me happy. a summer love that actually turns into something serious, which doesn't always happen, especially for young people, which, of course, you two are older. But, you know, a lot of times kids have these kind of quick summer flings and move on. Mm-hmm. But it seems like maybe it could have been deeper for Katie and Gab, but we unfortunately don't get they don't get to to try that out. Um, one so, of them said, one which of brings them us to. <laughs> right. <laughs> which dun, dun, dun. one thing that Gat does point out and what I think she actually admires about him is the fact that he sees things in sees issues in their social surroundings which he does point out their white privilege yeah as much as I uh, am giving Danielle some crap here she does not go <laughs> to an island that her family owns every summer uh, where they have four mansions that they've built uh my family owns two cows. So. <laughs> so pretty central to this story is the fact that they're old money. They're a family with old money and certain ideals and certain systematic ways that our country has functioned really did this family good. And so I just picture like the New England family 
with the stock money and the big houses and whatever. Unfortunately, I think this can be a can be an old way of thinking that's still clinging to life a little bit during our time. But yeah, this the grandpa definitely exhibits some pretty straight up racist things. So a good thing to point out in our book. The author did good kind of pointing out how these teenagers yeah. have overlooked their own privileges. Well, and they trace their family back to, like, coming over on the Mayflower. Yeah. Like, they trace their family that far back into American history. And so, like, there's this weird thing where her grandfather makes her recite everything, like, every important moment in Sinclair family That's history. so weird. It's really strange. It's really strange. And I think, you know, I think looking into your his- family history is pretty cool. I've got a aunt who's, like, really into it. And I think it's super interesting, but, ooh. To be, like, so proud of your lineage. Well, and, like, every family has got a nut in it. Like, that's just the way it is. We all have that one relative. Um, And the fact that they just, like, completely cut off any story that could make them look not perfect is crazy. Well, I think it's also, like, a good story of how, uh, like, sometimes it's a quote from the help, but courage skips a generation. So, you know, even though the the aunts Mm -hmm. and the mom doesn't have the ability to shut down, you know, what they know is probably a problematic uh, situation, the grandchildren do. Um, And maybe it's not a positive outlet, but it did somewhat affect the situation. Most families don't burn a house down. Yeah. White privilege. Does Katie have white savior syndrome? Go ahead. Just that that second, because I think we pretty much talked about their white privilege but we had not talked about the question yet like what it means for katie yeah who asked this question i did so the reason i was thinking about this and this is just something i was kicking around as i was reading but whenever katie you know she talks about the things that are happening with gat and how i don't know for some reason and this is something that's really big in our country right now but i almost see it as She's that stereotypical rich white girl who thinks that she's doing something to, like, she thinks that she can be the one to help this situation. Like, I don't know. Cut, cut this out. I'm just, I'm talking over myself at this point. I'm, like, making weird sounds. I don't know. For some reason, that was just something that popped up. I don't really truly remember why I asked this question. Um, but I think with, like, the way she deals with how things are going with Gat, and especially whenever her grandfather makes the comments he makes. It just makes me wonder. Yeah, it's actually weird that we're recording this right now because I am in the middle of Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. I think that's the author. Mm. And this is so much what they deal with in that book. Like, I have no idea if maybe in the future we'll ever do an episode on this book because it is really popular right now. I think it was on some, like, best books of 2020 or something like that or 2021. Anyways, um... But it's the same question, almost fetish, fetishi, fetishizing, <laughs> yeah, fetishizing, fetishizing. Um, dating someone who is not white and right. thinking that you're going to step in and be their advocate when, you know, they're perfectly capable of living a life without you, without your help. 
See, this is the perfect example of how we work together because I just word vomited and Tori made it sound good. So I appreciate that. I see where you was going. I know what you meant. Just the <laughs> um, kind of opposite racism, I guess. Like um, I saw this special where they were interviewing people on the streets and they said, do you think voter ID laws are good or do you think that it's inappropriate to have that in place and I think they were somewhere in New York or something or I don't know pretty populous area and they were showing answers from white individuals and you know they seemed very progressive very liberal they're you know commenting on the fact that they think that it's trying to silence a certain demographic of voters who are not as likely to have identification and saying that, you know, we put this in place in lower income areas and blah, 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 and it's racist, they're saying. And then it switches over to people of color who are answering the same question and they're like, "Uh, I carry my ID everywhere. Like, I don't know anybody who doesn't have an ID. I know how to get to the DMV. It's it's over on, you know, 73rd Street or something. And it's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, law, you're a law-abiding citizen. You're just as likely as I am to have your ID on you, you know, when you're driving a car or going to a government facility because that you just, that's just what you do, <laughs> you know. And these people who are liberal and saying they're fighting and being advocates for social justice and social change are just like are you ignorant like you're saying that they're less capable of having the like bare necessities of being a citizen in this country almost and I get it like there's a fine line because there are issues with voter identification especially maybe in lower income areas or with undocumented individuals I don't know the whole spectrum of it but I get it but you have to be careful at being almost sugarcoating and also yeah exactly and also like what is the word I'm looking for like you're talking down to somebody like you're condescending condescending exactly that's yeah exactly I fully agree with you and I think also I mean something that just came to mind while you were talking about that is we know that people who aren't white are more likely to be pulled over whenever they're driving or targeted by police. So it's interesting to think that they wouldn't have driver's licenses on them at all times because if you know you're going to be targeted, why wouldn't you have that readily available? So yeah, no, I I agree with you, Tori. I think it is a very fine line because you don't want to go so far into one side that, you sit, like, that you're in the camp of racism doesn't exist, but you also don't want to go so far into the other camp where you're patronizing, um, not really condescending. Yeah, or... patronizing, condescending. Well, and the word I thought was like, I was trying to say you're not like the opposite of enabling, but then that's disabling. So I don't know if that would, I don't know if that would qualify, but you know what I mean? Like you're making it so impossible for people yeah it's it's a very fine line you're you agree that you know maybe these um these groups or especially these advocacy groups like black lives matter what have you need friends or advocates but like they can do it on their own they don't 
like they can make lives for themselves they don't need white people's help to do it exactly like they need friends not someone to be like i'll do it for you you know yeah they need allies not people come in and clean everything up yeah i agree and that's kind of where i came from with this whole white saber thing for katie because i think that while i think she's very much aware of the power that she has being a white woman I think she also tends to misuse that, especially in the instance of where she's the one who kind of instigates this whole, like, we're going to burn down the patriarchy type thing. Like, it's that perfect picture of somebody being a white savior who goes too far and then does more damage than good. Well, I think it should also be noted that she doesn't know about her white privilege until... Gap tells her about it, who is a person of color. Because if he would never have come to the island, she would still live in this blissful reality where everyone has money and she's not abnormal. That's a really good point, Jade. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's very true. And it's important to say, like, we're all stumbling along through this, like, these are relatively new concepts and they're concepts that are very hot button issues. So we're all learning. Um, and we white like none of us are the experts we white we yeah we are we very midwest white. white young young adult women so <laughs> yes we we are very very white and we are doing our best to try and talk Be about a part of the narrative without without being ignorant and offensive them, i guess you could say <laughs> uh, yeah. right so Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Our goal is never to offend, but just to talk about these issues because, like, I think that we've all kind of touched on different areas of this. Like, it's a thing. We definitely recognize that it is a thing. And so we're trying to, we're trying to dissect. Mm -hmm. So please don't come at us. (laughs) But also, if you think we did something wrong, please let us know because there's always room to grow and change. (laughs) All right, I think that pretty much wraps up your question, and we can (laughs) talk about how in um, another side of his personality, Mr. Sinclair, the grandfather, sucks to his family, too. Like, he is dangling his wealth in front of them to make them act the way he wants them to. I think we did touch on this with the... Uh, fairy tales that she includes but if you guys want to elaborate some more go ahead if not we can move on well i mean i think there's just this age-old question that i want to ask um and we've talked about it before i can't remember with which book but like they have identified Harris as like the head of the patriarchy and like totally agree he's the male figure that makes all the decisions and has all the money um but to me again it's a power or money question like does he do this because he's a shitty old man who has a lot of power or does he do this because he's the one with the money like when the grandma was still around this was still sort of a thing so I feel like it's definitely both yeah I agree. Well, I feel like there's something in there about him being, like, something about him saying that he was, like, an old Democrat or something like that. Like, for some reason, I feel like that was in there, and maybe that's just me. Maybe that was something I made up. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think the next, like, most interesting part would be, like, what would our descriptors be if the author gave us our descriptors? Right, so 
Lockhart does have these interesting ways of describing her characters um, through Katie's eyes. She uses metaphor to describe them. <laughs> and adjectives. Um, she uses, like, yeah. both. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's good. Yep. It's, an, it, it's definitely an interesting, yeah, an interesting way of describing someone. Um, I think that you get a deeper picture of mm-hmm. the character. So what would we, do we have ideas? So I'm going to write these down as we say them, like once we decide on what each one's, each person's would be, because I think they're just fun Yeah. to know like what our descriptors would be. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. So who do we want to start with? Or do we have, does anybody have ideas for what they would already have? I feel like cotton candy would go I have in no- mine. I don't know. Ooh. I think so too. <gasps> Oh, okay, maybe okay. Tori, because her hair I is agree. pink. I was thinking me, because I love sugar. Oh, okay, but... okay, 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 okay. But <laughs> I was like, I feel like she goes a little deeper than just, especially since this is such a um, temporary color, like tempi- temporary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like my mm-hmm. staple. Yeah, I was just thinking. I think I cotton know, candy like... would be. I think cotton candy is true. You're like fluffy and nice, but dangerous because you, I'm you don't think that you're, yeah, you don't think you're eating a lot <laughs> and all of a sudden you ate the whole cotton candy. Yes. <laughs> have, okay, just a little tiny note. Have you seen the, have you seen the raccoon try, because raccoons wash their food. Yeah. Have you seen him trying to eat a cotton candy? And it smells. It makes me sob. Ooh, poor baby. I'm like, <laughs> poor little thing. Okay, so. It hurts my heart. Jane, you I like feel cotton like... candy and razor blades. Like, I'm sweet, but I will <laughs> cut you. I would definitely think Tori's would be, at least one of her descriptions would be intelligence. Because she always just like, yeah, could say everything so smart. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Like, we had a conversation the other night about um, some stuff for, like, a grad school program, and Jade and I were both like, listen, if we made it through, you'll be fine. Like, if we did this, you can totally do it, because we were pulling by, like, by the the gaps of our teeth. I was thinking about, I don't remember the phrase for it, um, but we barely made it through. By the skin of our teeth. Skin of our teeth. Words are hard. Which My husband is a weird. Head at me. Weird thing, anyways. Aw, look at loyalty for mine. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's a good one. I am a Hufflepuff. Except for she's not uh, loyal enough to our relationships to get hand tattoos, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> we we attempted up. last night. They peer pressured the tiniest me. tiniest hand tattoo. Tiny. They bullied me. Tori, for some reason, whenever I think of you, I think of bookshelves. Like, just rows of... Not dusty books, like not musty or dusty books, but like old musty. Books. Not musty. I'm musty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I get. It. I get what you're saying. But like, That's cool old bookstores. It's oh. so like stacks of library books. Vintage bookstore. There we go. Vintage. I like my friends this. are interpreting my. I like mm-hmm. this. Let's see what else about Jade. I do want some like, because I feel like you need something. Because, like, you could totally... 
<laughs> you could totally cut somebody. Oh my gosh, that is me. <laughs> I just wanted to get that probably- somewhere. I just wanted to get that somewhere. I, I don't think it's completely accurate, but I just really so- wanted to put that for a second. <laughs> I feel like we need to say audibly what it was because you all missed this beautiful interpretive dance that I just did. Wacky inflatable um, arm guy. <laughs> it's so accurate. Okay. To jump back in, we finally we took a little bit of a break to figure out our descriptors, but I think we finally came to the decision of what our descriptors would be. So I'll give somebody else's, and then somebody else can give the rest. So Jade's was ever-changing, fiery, and cotton candy. (laughs) Danielle's was loyal, wholesome, and coffee stout, with steadfast as a runner-up. And then Tori is intelligent, protective, and vintage bookstores. We should have added heavy metal in there too, but it's okay. We got our we got hey, our list. Nice. So runner up. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Runner up is heavy metal. Because every time I hear any kind of heavy metal, I'm like, Tori would enjoy this. <laughs> That's gonna be my new one. Right. Like, or Disney just music. metal. Like just metal. A metal. Yeah. <laughs> Jade is musical, musical. To Disney music. Uh, I like it. Just do like All that. Right, cool. When I think of Jade just like the <laughs> Disney princess mating calls or whatever. <laughs> yeah, every time I do that, I don't get forest animals come running to do my chores and I I'm really upset about it. All righty. Well, comment your descriptors if you can think of anything that you feel follows this little format and let us know what they are and we will Wrap up with our favorite quotes. Or send us a short, like, paragraph bio about you, and we will identify your Ooh. three descriptors. Yes. yes. Just, we'll, we'll give you a yes, little shout absolutely. out. Based on the judgment we made from your paragraph, so don't blame us. Yeah. You typed it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so I couldn't really pick one. Um, nothing just, like, stuck out as, like, my all-time absolute must-quote it, but I found, like, one that was like okay with me um so that's gonna be what I go with and it is from Harris actually and Mm, never (laughs) it's never take a back seat or never take a seat in the back of the room winners sit up front and I think it's hilarious and that's why I picked it because your girl never sat up front period never and i, I never, hated the front yeah no i was never a volunteer for that and i feel like i did pretty okay in life i graduated yeah. have a master's have like a 3.8 yeah. gpa some shit like that so yeah ain't, ain't no problem with sitting in the middle shoot for the middle <laughs> <laughs> the one the one class that i sat in the front of was new testament with we'll bleep out her name but with the woman who was on my committee and taught the revelation course yes <laughs> i was like we won't say her name on the pod that was the one it was my actually i take that back there were two because then i saw in whenever i was a freshman i did um religion 101 mm-hmm. like ariel 101 but in her new testament course i sat in the front row i only oh, sat i was a back row seater i came in late like 
if a bitch was late and had to sit in the front, I was like, all right, I won't be late next time. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah, let me tell you. Mine, I mean, yeah, literally, you like, shame. corner seat, back row. But I just picked it because I thought it was ironically funny, not because it was something steadfast and true to my heart. <laughs> yes. yes. I like true it. True to your heart. You must be true to your heart. I would always sit in the back, but then everybody else is dumb and would never answer questions, so I'd be like, please, somebody, all right, I'll answer this <laughs> freaking question. <laughs> Idiots! And we were sitting there thinking. And that happened a lot whenever she was in classes yeah. with her. And Danielle and I were sitting there thinking, Mainly, if we don't say anything, hey, Tori will answer. Tori will answer. <laughs> yep. That was literally us. However, that like, was mainly an undergrad, but... Because as we got into grad school, like, there was no effing back. Like, we sat in a damn circle and stared at each other. Ugh. I know. It was there so was awkward. There was only, like, nine people. It was so. But Jade and I still held back so Tori mm-hmm. would speak for us. <laughs> and then we could use the phrase, oh, well, piggybacking off of that sentence. <laughs> How many times did we use that? Oh, oh my gosh. Every fucking That's lesson. like <laughs> the beginning of every comment yep. in a graduate to jump off that, like, and that's then you the pick one word from the sentence, and you're like, that, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that one specific thing she said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the usage of her word, that, in that <laughs> sentence, I really just love that, and I think that's a really great uh, reference to, like, this day and age. Guys, we still do it. That's just the way we're working. <laughs> I'm getting really weird looks from this right now. Okay, Tori, your turn. Circling back in. So mine is not really a quote. It's like a conversation. So I'm going to read a few different lines or a few lines in a row. Do Um, voices, do voices. The look that she's giving us right now is amazing. Okay. um. (laughs) You don't have to if you don't want to. Okay, maybe. Gat looks down at his fingertip or fingernails. Do not accept an evil. You can change. I agree with that, I say, because I do. I don't, says Mirren. Why not? There, I can't do it. I gotta read. I can't do it. I love <laughs> you so much. I love you so much. That was beautiful. Okay. That was beautiful. Okay, maybe. Gat looks down at his fingernails. Do not accept an evil you can change. I agree with that, I say, because I do. I don't, says Mirren. Why not? There's very little you can change. You need to accept the world as it is. Not true. Isn't it better to be a relaxed, peaceful person? No, it is better to fight evil. I I don't know. Maybe this is two extremes, but there's people that are super complacent, like Mirren playing it safe just like keeping their keeping their hands clean of good or bad just kind of staying on neutral ground and then there's people like Gat who want to um step in and fight what they feel is wrong and I feel like that I don't know I feel like that can happen a lot especially with young people they're embarrassed to have the spotlight turned on them like if they're getting if they see somebody getting bullied maybe um they're just like keep your head mm-hmm. down don't mm-mm. yeah that's a really good point 
I think even too, like you could even apply that to like as you're transitioning out of high school and like maybe transitioning if you're, you know, going to college or moving away from where you grew up, especially if you're from like a really rural area. I know we can all like speak to this where views are very one sided. Mm-hmm. And then you have that situation where like you don't want to say certain things because your family is going to freak out. But then you also don't want to not say them because then in the eyes of people that you're friends with from a different perspective, you don't want them to lash out at you. So, yeah, I think that's a really good. I think people I'm speaking from own personal experience here, but I feel like we've all experienced that at yeah. one point or another. I feel like there's a big disconnect. I feel like there's a big disconnect in the area we live in with age groups right now. Danielle, what is your favorite quote? Okay, so my favorite quote is from page 232. Um, and it's actually right after Katie realizes that she was the reason that they got stuck in the fire, that everyone else got stuck in the fire. Um, and I chose it because I, she does this a lot in this book. Whenever she describes something, she uses, like, very shocking descriptors. So, like, whenever she talks about her dad leaving, she says that, he pulled out a gun and shot me in the chest. He didn't actually shoot her, but, like, she's very she's very descriptive. Um, Lockhart is very descriptive in, like, how these emotions are affecting people. Um, so this is the section that I pulled. Um, this knowledge goes from my spine, down my shoulders, and through my fingertips. It turns them to ice. They chip and break, tiny pieces shattering on the Windermere steps. Cracks splinter up my arms and through my shoulders, and the front of my neck. My face is frozen and fractured in a witch's snarl of grief. My throat is cold or closed. I cannot make a sound. Here I am frozen when I deserve to burn. I don't know. Just the way that she describes it and it, just the, the illustration in the words and it's just really a beautiful example of writing in this book. And I also think that like as far as grief, like I feel like that's, it's a very good descriptor of going through, like, a piece of shocking information or, like, anything that's just, like, ripping a piece of you out. Um, but, like, I just really loved the way – that was one of my favorite things about this book was just how beautiful the language was and just how, like, metaphors were weaved around so well um, in the text. So I really appreciated that. That wraps up our discussion of We Were Liars. Thank you, Book Talk, for the suggestion – and next week, we're, our uh, scheduling is a little off, but next week, next, next week, <laughs> <laughs> next week, we're up a week with no paddle. <laughs> next, next week, uh, the help will be coming out. So we're, we should be back on track after that, unless we decide to throw in another wild card, but Join us for that episode and BRB for now. BRB. BRB?